Well, good morning. That was quite amazing. So, I will have to say that um, I loved the, the intro today and being able to just focus our attention for a few moments on these Sundays in February and celebrating these amazing women who, you know, stepped out of the box and did something that was, um, you know, life-changing and, you know, creating a path that changed the world for so many. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, I have this memory of being in school with Jeff, and we were in the same homiletics class, which is the study of speaking, of preaching, preparing words to bring, to teach. And there was only three girls in our whole class, and I remember one of the, like, you know, guys that sat next to me, he leaned over one time, and he was like, you know, what are you doing here? Are you here to find a husband? And I remember, and I remember being like, um, well, actually, you know, but, um, (laughs) sorry. I remember looking him at the, in the face and just saying, you know, no, (laughs) I'm here because I feel like God has given me something to say. He has a story that I'm supposed to share. And it's something that I have felt for, I mean, even when I was young, when I was in middle school, I was this girl who was organizing like prayer meetings before school. And I would bring donuts to try to bribe my friends to come. (laughs) And because I felt compelled to tell the story. I didn't even know what the story was at that time. I was in seventh grade and I just felt like I needed to tell people about God's love because it was something that mattered to me. And so I just consider it such a privilege. Um, You know, 10 years ago when we first came here, I think the first time I ever spoke, it was kind of like, whoa, you know, and we've really come a long way, you know, and that's not, um, it's not usually common you know, in, in many situations that you see a woman speak on a Sunday morning, but I'm grateful for the privilege and the support of so many of you and Jeff and the elders. So um, you get to hang out with me today. Um, all right. So we're going to throw this quote up on this, the, the uh, screen to start us out. And this is going to kind of be what we're going to go with today. And this is from F. Scott Fitzgerald. And he says, I hope you live a life you're proud of. And if you find that you are not, I hope you have the strength to start it all over again. I hope you live a life that you're proud of. And if you find that you're not, I hope you have the strength to start it all over again. So many, uh, many years ago when uh, Maisie and Ken were little, now they're big and gosh, Maisie's about to turn 13. But this is when Kiana was two and Maisie was three. And we hadn't been here for very long. And uh, a girl in the, the church called me up and she invited me to come to her house. And she's like, you got to come. I'm getting some friends together. I really want you to be there. And I, and I was like, oh, you know, I really wanted to go. But I knew that Jeff was gone and I didn't have a sitter. And she's like, oh, just bring the kids. And that's usually like if you have that instinct, you know, like I, this is not a good idea. You might want to follow that. And I definitely felt that. But I really wanted to go. I really wanted the chance to hang out with these girls. And so I was like, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. No, no other kids are going to be there except my two kids. So we get there and it's this lovely spread of, you know, beautiful food and, you know, nice. It's just all pretty and, and clean and not like my house at all. And um, so everybody's kind of gathering and socializing. And she says to me, well, you can have your kids go upstairs. We have this little play space. Okay. So I take the kids upstairs and and where they were situated was this like balcony, like that over, you know, you could see down and you could see where all the women were hanging out and eating their food. 
And so um, I was like, okay, you know, so get them situated up there. And we go down. And in about five minutes of just enjoying conversation and all this fancy food, my kids start throwing toys over the balcony. And not only were, you know, that was like, oh, but a couple of the women's plates actually got hit with a toy. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. You know, so I run, I run upstairs and I try to discipline them. Like, you know, this is not okay. You know, and I'm like, I feel like all the pressure's on me. Everybody's watching me at this moment. So then I bring them downstairs and Maisie, she was potty training and she's like, I gotta go pee. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, Cannon, you stay right here. You're going to sit on the step, right? You're two. You're going to sit right here. and I'm going to take Maisie to the bathroom. So I take Maisie into the bathroom. We go into the bathroom and there's kitty litter in the bathroom, like a cat litter box. And she freaks out. Like it's the worst smelling thing ever. She just completely is like, this is so, you know, just in three-year-old fashion, whatever. And so she has her pants around her ankles and she bolts out of the bathroom because she was not going to go to the bathroom. She comes around the corner and just pees all over this girl's floor. Okay. Now this gets better. This is, it really gets better. So I'm trying to like quickly, you know, like get her situated and like literally in the split second that this is all happening, Cannon comes running around the corner. He slips in her pee and he's covered. I mean, it wasn't like a little, like I kind of have to go. It was like, I'm going to flood the floor. So he slips in her pee. He's covered in her pee. She's covered in pee. Her pants are on her ankles. And I am, I have no idea what to do. Like all these women are looking at me and I'm like, oh my goodness. So I just grabbed the kids covered in pee and everything. And I loaded them up in the car and I'm like, I have to go. I started crying. I was so, so embarrassed. And I'm not sure that I've ever, you know, left a party quite so quickly. So even after all these years, I remember that moment. And I remember thinking, Every single woman in that room was judging me. You know, the, the moms were judging me. The non-moms were judging me. And like, oh, when, I'm, when I have kids, I'll never, you know. And that's all I could think about when I came home. And Jeff wasn't home yet. And he, he gets home. And, and I had the kids already in bed when he got home. And I remember sitting on the couch. And he was like, how was your night? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So all these years later, you know, that feeling of just frazzled and just being on the spot and having these people look at me and just judge me. In my mind, I thought they were judging me. And you know, there's all these moments in life that you kind of have these things happen. They're just really out of your control and you can't, you know, sometimes with kids, you just really cannot predict how they're going to behave or what they're going to do. In fact, like three weeks ago, no joke, my littlest one now, because we have two more, Roby uh, pulled the fire alarm at the wrestling match against Robbinsville. She, yeah. So, I mean, it's still happening, like all these years later, like these things are still happening. But who, who doesn't want a chance to be able to do something over? You know, like you think back, that was 10 years ago when Maisie, when Maisie and Cannon did this. And you think, if I could just do it all over again, I shouldn't have gone. I should have found a sitter, you know, and so forth. And, you know, there are so many moments that you just want that chance to be able to redo, to be able to take the chance to do it differently, have a fresh start. And who here doesn't, you know, want a fresh start, a chance to be able to do something over, a chance to be able to start a season and redo it? You know, there's these times when we just wish so desperately that we could just hit the rewind and, and, and do that situation over, whether it's a moment, a day, a week, maybe even an entire year of your life. 
And so we come around to January and it's like our calendar is just telling us, okay, this is the time you get to start it over. 2016, we're going to put behind us. 2017 is this fresh start. You know, we get to kind of start again and do it again, write a story that we're proud of. And now we're currently in this series that we've been walking through over the last couple of weeks called Soul Detox. And I've been really challenged. And in fact, I've been having a really hard time trying to articulate how messy and cluttered and just bogged down my soul feels. I think that there's a lot of us that, you know, if we were to sit down and actually give ourselves the permission to think about it, the toxins that we've really kind of stored up on the inside are perhaps a lot more than we would want to articulate or tell somebody else about. You know, the, the kind of the pile of mess of bitterness and unforgiveness and self-hatred and hatred and pride and anger and pain. You know, there's lots of things that if we leave them unchecked, you know, don't pay attention to what we are actually feeling on the inside. You know, the more time that often passes when you just don't pay attention to those things, when you leave them unchecked, they can cause destruction and ruin and damage in your soul. It's kind of like our very strengths are our very weaknesses. You know, the understanding of what makes you, you and different and unique, you know, compared to everyone else in this room, you know, the very thing that makes you, you is often the very thing that if you leave it be and you let it run its course, it can often be the thing that causes the most damage, that causes the most destruction. There's this verse in 1 Thessalonians, and I'm going to be reading to you guys from the message version this morning. And uh, it's going to be up on the screen. But it's kind of like tucked in there in this chapter, and and I I don't know that I've noticed it before, but we're reading this study with a women's group called Present Over Perfect, and I noticed that, that she used this first, and I thought, gosh, this is, this is completely what I've been feeling. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and um, it says, God hasn't invited us into disorderly, unkept life, but into something holy and beautiful, as beautiful on the inside as the outside. He hasn't invited us into something disorderly or unkept and there's so much that we can really hold inside and, you know, f- you know, for all matters, be able to appear that we have things together. But I'm not so sure that we're as beautiful on the inside as we would like others to believe. And maybe you're as skilled as I am and maybe guilty of not slowing down long enough to even notice of what's really going on on the inside. Because I think that if you're kind of... Um, like me, or that you, you know, kind of have adapted to this culture. We really like to be moving more than we like to be still. We like to be doing more than we like to be present. You know, we, I'd, I'd much rather work really hard at convincing all of you that, like, I'm winning at life, you know? Like, I'm, I'm winning at motherhood. I'm, I'm such an amazing wife. And I'm, you know, wonderful with God. And I'm super close to him. And I'm put together and strong. And, and really... If we were all to just be honest with who we are and what we're going through, I think that there's a sense that a lot of times we're just a wreck on the inside. That on the inside, there's just so much happening that we um, 
perhaps try to overcompensate and work even harder so that we would, nobody would ever see or believe or, or understand how broken we really are. You know, there's parts of my life that I wish I could escape. And I bet you probably feel that too. Are you trying to convince yourself and those that are around you that you're really holding it all together, but maybe you're just not okay? Sometimes I think that when we feel like we're barely keeping our head above water, um, it's the time that we need to look inside our soul the most. But that's the time that usually we just try to, you know, tread faster and and work harder so that we, we don't go under. I guess sometimes it just maybe takes somebody else to say it first. And I... I'm here and I've got this microphone, so I guess I'll say it for you. You know, my soul on a lot of days just feels like it's bursting and it's heavy and it's busy and it's hustling and there's these unrealistic expectations of things that I think I should be able to do, but yet I'm really having a hard time doing. I, if I had an, a, like a dollar for every time I've called Debbie White and said, I don't, I literally can't do this. Like, I cannot raise four children. And she's always like, oh, but you, you know, you're doing a good job. You have to have perspective. I mean, my house is a wreck. I, f- I feel like, you know, some days the best I can do is McDonald's. Like, there's just something that I wish I could change. But perhaps that change needs to come from the inside out. Y'all are too cute. Um, you know, you did that because you know I was about to cry. That was good. That was really good timing. So in the words of Mother Teresa, this is a quote that I want to share with you guys. We need to find God. And he cannot be found in the noise and the restlessness. God is a friend of silence. See how nature, trees, flowers, grass grow in silence. See the stars and the moon and the sun, how they move in silence. And we need silence to be able to touch our souls and to be able to touch the souls of others. I made that up, but she would have put that in there. (laughs) I believe that over time, at some level or another, we have really convinced ourselves that if we stay in motion, that if we just keep going, just keep doing that we, that we will be able to just keep it all together. And really, it's the slowing down. It's the times that there are silence. The times that we create space to be able to let God speak to us. It is in those moments that we're perhaps terrified of what we'll see. Of what we'll discover on the inside. How well is your soul? And that's what Jeff's been asking us over these last several weeks. You know, how often is our well-being contingent upon the future? But who knows what's on the other side of work? More work. You know, the, you, you can get a certain amount done, but guess what's waiting around the corner for you? More. There's more things to do. So if your well-being is contingent upon when the kids get older, or when the house is finished, or all the bills are paid, or we're debt-free, or I lose this much wait, or I have this much money. If your well-being is contingent upon what is next, then it might be ready, it might be the time for you to check your soul. It might be the time for you to just recognize there's a lack of present presence in your life if you're always looking to see what's ahead. 
So there's this familiar passage in Luke. And I, um, I've heard this story told again and again and, and again. I, I grew up in church and um, I've always heard the story. And I have been able to, even as a young child, recognize who was in the right and who was not in the right in this story. And even after all these years and still reading the story, I, it, it hasn't significantly changed me the way that it should. And this is a story of Mary and Martha. And I'm going to be reading um, to you guys these verses from the message. So Mary and Martha, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he had to say. But Martha pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned me in the kitchen? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much. Whoops, hold on. And getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. So, I've heard this story, and I'm sure that it's probably familiar to you as well. Mary slowed down. She decided that she was going to just enjoy and sit and be before Jesus and listen and learn and recognize the sacredness of that very moment. And Martha just kept herself going. She just, you know, wanted to work in the kitchen, wanted to serve a great meal, wanted to make sure the house was tidy. And literally, like, if you've ever been to my house, that is exactly me. Like, I really don't even sit down. I think I just basically move around the entire time anybody is in my space because I just want to make sure it's all good. I want to make sure it's it's okay. And as many times as I've heard this story and, and, like, heard the lesson and understood the lesson... It has not produced a change in who I am and how I interact. And I wonder how many times, I can't, you know, imagine how many times I've just brushed by. I've been too much in a hurry. I have had too many things on my to-do list that I've missed seeing entirely what God has placed right before my eyes. I know that I am guilty of like half listening to my kids and half listening to Jeff. And maybe even half listening to you because I'm thinking about the very next thing that I have to do. And so I really can't talk that long because I got I to keep moving. Maybe this is true of you. Maybe you're just in so much, like motion is just your thing. And just keeping every ball in the air and everything moving. That you forget that there are sacred moments in front of your eyes all the time. And Jesus came to to share this time with these women and he didn't care what the house looked like or what food was prepared or, you know, that, that there was just something taken care of in the kitchen. He just wanted to be able to enjoy that moment and have that sacred time. And Mary sat at his feet and soaked it all in. I think that maybe that I'm guilty of not slowing down enough to be able to see what God has placed right in front of me. Or maybe perhaps you guys are, are, are like me and we, don't, we just don't slow down enough to be able to even notice 
that the sacredness is right in front of us. The people that he surrounds us with, our children, our friends, our families, our co-workers, the breath of God, you know, that God has given us to be on borrowed time here, that we have this very limited amount of time on this earth to, to be his hands and feet, to do the work of the kingdom. And sometimes I think we just keep going and our souls are just trying to keep up. What would it look like if somebody saw a piece of your soul? You know, I often hear there, uh, that people try to create margin in their lives. You know, have you ever heard that? Where they're trying to cut things out or rearrange their schedules or say no to certain things so that they have that buffer, that space. But I wonder what it would look like if we tried to do that very same thing in our souls. To create margin in our souls so that there would be space for God to move. I think that the inside of me sometimes is bursting and is just so full that there isn't space for God to come and to nuzzle into those you know, nooks and crannies and the, and the, the spaces that we try to protect and keep others from seeing. That true healing and the wholeness that he's pulling us and he's you know, inviting us toward that we're so full that we don't have enough space for him to come and to do what he actually wants to do with our lives. You know, I wonder if it's more true that, you know, that we have these toxic levels of our souls that we haven't dealt with in so many years, that we think that one day we'll eventually revisit that moment of childhood or adolescence or that pain from early on in adult life or, or whatever it might be, that one day when we're not so busy, we'll go back and think about it and then we'll process it and we'll heal from it. But what if that one day, it turns into 10 more years before you stop and think about it? What if that one day, you know, turns into another decade before you say, that was painful and I need God to come and to rescue me from that hurt and to heal me from that pain. It's so much easier to just ignore that, right? Like, we don't want to deal with our mess. We don't want to deal with the things that cause us harm. But God is inviting us to make that space to create the margin internally that we are able to Give him every part of our souls. God hasn't invited us into disorderly, unkept life, but into something holy and beautiful, as beautiful on the inside as the outside. I'm going to invite the band to come and join me up on stage, and they're going to lead us in one more song. There's a book that, um, that's called The Joy Diet, which is kind of an interesting title. And I haven't, I'm not claiming to have read the book entirely, so I don't know anything about pa anything past chapter one. So, but chapter one, um, uh, chapter one is called Nothing. That's the title of the chapter, which was actually very intriguing to me because even the word nothing sounds like freeing. Nothing. I don't have anything to do. Um, because that just seems very count, like just opposite of my world, right? And, and what the author does, this, this book is by Martha Beck, and she talks about that to start like kind of the journey towards joy, you have to learn how to do nothing. And she basically says that every day for 15 minutes, every one of us 
to maintain health and wellness, and you can connect that, connect the dots however you want, whatever that might look like for you, but that you have to slow yourself down enough for 15 minutes a day to just do nothing. And she literally means that. Do nothing. Nothing productive. Nothing, no list making. Nothing, not vegging out in front of the TV or watching a movie. But literally to give yourself the time to just be. And I'm wondering if perhaps we've gotten away from just having those moments where we stop and we literally do nothing. And we let God whisper and speak and lavish us with his love and tell us how much he cares for what we're going through And perhaps those are the moments of healing that we're not experiencing because we're just so busy. So the band is going to sing us a song. And this is a song that I have been loving for the past couple months. And it basically the chorus says, love came down to rescue me. And I, I don't know why those few words just have captivated my heart, but it's just something that I have been thinking a lot about. I needed a rescuer. I still need one. And so do you. Not one of us can do this life on our own. Not, not one of us can get to the places that we need to be and to be as impactful and purposeful without a rescuer taking us in this journey with him. So we're going to listen to them sing, and, and I invite you guys to just stay seated and either sing the words or close your eyes and just um, allow God to speak with you as, as we listen.